0: Hi there, this is Edwin Crozier with the Franklin Church of Christ. Thank you for joining us as we open God's Word and learn how to serve and glorify Him. Sometimes the things God asks of us are difficult. Sometimes we think it's too overwhelming, and sometimes we think we need something special from God in order to obey Him. The apostles felt the same way in Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 10. Open your Bibles and study along with me in this lesson as we learn how Jesus responded to the apostles when duty is difficult.
1: Do you ever feel like God has just asked you something dreadfully hard? That sometimes the things that He requests of us are just too difficult. And what we really need is some special help. For God to lean down and provide us with some kind of extra strength in order to accomplish the task that he had set before us. Interestingly, we're not alone in having that feeling. We can go all the way back to the Scriptures and we can find out that even the apostles at times had that feeling that what Jesus was asking was just too hard. And for them to actually be able to accomplish it, God was going to have to do something. Jesus was going to have to do something. In Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 1, in Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 1, we see one of these instances in which the disciples saw the duty that Christ had laid before them, and to them it was difficult. Luke chapter 17, beginning at verse 1, Jesus said to his disciples, It is inevitable that stumbling blocks come, but woe to him through whom they come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck, And he was thrown into the sea, then that he would cause one of these little ones to stumble. Be on your guard. If your brother sins, rebuke him. If he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times a day and returns to you seven times saying, I repent, forgive him. And in verse 5, the apostle said to the Lord, Increase our faith. And the Lord said, If you had faith like a mustard seed, you'd say to this mulberry tree, Be uprooted and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Which of you, having a slave, plowing, or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come, immediately, sit down and eat? But will he not say to him, Prepare something for me to eat, and properly clothe yourself, and serve me while I eat and drink? And afterwards you may eat and drink. He does not thank the slave, because he did the things which were commanded, does he? So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, We are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. Jesus taught his disciples a lesson in forgiveness. Forgiveness in and of itself is difficult. But imagine having to forgive the same person for the same thing seven times in one day. That is difficult. So they turned to Jesus and said, Jesus, increase our faith. Help us make it through this difficulty. Help us overcome this. Increase our faith and our belief that we might abide by this command. And Jesus responded to them, but I have to admit that His response is very surprising to me. We want to take a look at this story. And some lessons that we can learn from this about how we should respond when duty is difficult. Before we examine those lessons, would you bow with me in prayer, please? Almighty God and Father in heaven, you have indeed made difficult commands. And some of the things that you've asked of us are not easy for us. But Father, we recognize that the things that You have done for us have not been easy for You. We remember Your Son who gave of Himself and instead of remaining in Heaven, holding on to the glory that He had as Your Son, as God, as Deity, He gave that up and came to this earth and looked as one of us, became one of us. Father, we recognize that wasn't easy. And despite all the good things that He did for those that were around Him, He was mocked. He was conspired against. He was beaten. And for our salvation, He was crucified. And we recognize, Father, that that was not easy. And we are so thankful, Father, that You, that Your Son, Your Spirit, have done what was not easy on our behalf. And we pray that You would strengthen us, that we might also perform the duty that You have given us, walking in the works that You have created before time for us to walk in, that we would do things even when it's not easy, when it seems unnatural, when it goes against the flow. Father, forgive us for too often taking the easy roads, for taking the paths of least resistance, Too often we've not stood up for You. Too often we've turned away from Your will. Too often we've walked the path of sin and we ask that You would forgive us and wash us of those sins. Cleanse us by the blood of Your Son who died for us. Father, we pray that through Your Word, through Your children, that You would strengthen us to stand up as a shining light in this world. That no matter how difficult the duty You have provided us, that we will increase our faithfulness and we'll submit to Your will being your servant, because we love you, Father. And we pray that you would continue to bless us. Be with us throughout this service as we open your word, that we will allow it to sink into our hearts, that you will establish our way. Father, we love you, and through your Son we pray. Amen. As we take a look at Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 10, as Jesus responded to the apostles, the very first thing that we have to recognize is that This passage demonstrates that God does, in fact, ask us to do difficult things. In our modern society, folks seem to have the idea that God would certainly not ever ask us to do anything that was difficult, anything that wouldn't just come naturally. Surely God's not going to ask us of that. His yoke is easy. We've heard that verse. So surely whatever it is God wants us to do ought to just come naturally. It ought to just be easy. If we were to suggest to folks that Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 25 that says don't forsake the assembly means that they ought to give up a game in order to be here with the saints to assemble and worship God, do you think that we'd ask them to cut off their right arm? Imagine if we asked something extremely difficult like leaving an unlawful marriage. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 9. In Matthew chapter 19 and verse 9, I think we have a difficult teaching there. There it says, and I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for immorality and marries another woman commits adultery. They're in an unlawful marriage. They're committing adultery. There's only one response to that. You've got to get out of it. You've got to quit committing the adultery. That's difficult. What if you ask something even more difficult? What about asking us to stay in a lawful marriage? Verse 6 of Matthew 19, So they're no longer two but one flesh, what therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Those are just some examples. God asks difficult things. We have a tendency to believe that serving God ought to almost be instinctual. That it ought to be just whatever feels right and whatever feels good. And if we take a look in our society today, that seems to be the direction that most churches are heading today. And most Christians, whatever feels right, whatever I like, that's what I ought to be able to do. And yet what we learn in Luke chapter 17 is that God does ask us to do hard things. Forgiving somebody, that's tough. That's not natural. That's not instinctual. Seven times in a day, no less. Is that natural? Is that your natural response, Jimmy? That's not natural. It's not instinctual. That's hard. That's extremely hard. What's natural? Holding grudges. You find that to be natural, actually being able to hold grudges sometimes? Or what about getting even? Ron smiled. Yeah, getting even. Brent, you ever want to get vengeance? Yeah. Yeah. That's natural. Forgiving somebody, that's hard. Looking around at these people, forgiving them seven times in a day. What about this? Not just forgiving your brother seven times a day. What about forgiving your husband seven times in a day? Or your wife? We know that Wanda has to do that frequently. We should look to her for guidance on this. That's not easy. That's tough. God asks us to do hard things. And we can't shy away from that. We need to step up to the point. The second thing we learn from this is that God does not give us permission to disobey. It almost seems that in a lot of places and a lot of folks who call themselves Christians in a lot of churches... But the concept of, of, of difficult things, that's just God hasn't asked us that. And so they've basically just sold out the gospel. And just whatever feels right, we'll just follow along with that. Now, now we know, we would say to ourselves, we haven't done that. We would never do that. Oh, yes, we know God asks us to do difficult things. And, and we're not going to sell out the gospel. We're going to do those hard things. But let me ask you this. When we take a look at those hard commandments, Is there that part of us that says, well, maybe that one doesn't matter quite as much? Maybe God is not going to hold us as much accountable on that. I mean, we can understand on that one why some folks don't follow it, right? First of all, let's go back to that really difficult one, one I think is perhaps one of the most difficult in our society today, that, that issue of marriage. Matthew chapter 19 and verse 6, notice what it says. They are no longer two, but one flesh. What therefore God has joined together, let no man separate. Marriage is not to be separated. We recognize as we continue on that there is a, an exception. Because of your hardness of heart, verse 8, Moses permitted you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning it has not been this way. And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife, except for immorality, and marries another woman, commits adultery. We recognize that if, if we're divorcing our spouse because they've committed immorality, that that's lawful. But other than that, there's nothing else that's a lawful divorce. It's unlawful. It's sinful. And so, but, but let me ask you, what if your husband is a no-account bum who won't work and waste his money? He's a gambler and a drinker. Or what if your wife, is disrespectful and belligerent and contentious. It's conscious, constantly nagging. In fact, we might even class her as emotionally abusive. Well, now, we know that's not a lawful divorce, but we understand that one, don't we? Maybe God won't hold us accountable to that one as much because that's a hard one. Do we ever feel like that? We go back to Luke chapter 17 and we look at this story that Jesus gave as an illustration. Which of you having a slave, plowing or tending sheep will say to him when he's come in from the field, come immediately and sit down to eat? But he'll not say to him, prepare something for me, excuse me, but will he not say to him, prepare something for me to eat and properly clothe yourself and serve me while I eat and drink and afterwards you may eat and drink. He doesn't thank the slave because he did the things which are commanded, does he? Man. I tell you, we perhaps do not understand. Well, no, I know we don't. Not perhaps. We don't understand the life of this slave. All day long, he was out doing his master's bidding. He was plowing in the field. He was working. He was sweating. He was grinding. He came home that night into the master's house. The master didn't say, Man, are you tired? Come sit down. Let's eat something together. He said, Man, you stink. Go clean up. Get some clothes on and serve me my dinner. And when it was all said and done, he didn't even say thanks. That was the servant's job. Do you think that was easy? The servant didn't even give a second thought to whether or not he was going to disregard his master's command. The master didn't even give a second thought to saying, oh, your life is hard, I'll, I'll ease it up on you a bit. That's not the way it works. There are hard things. And while we might understand why people would not follow them, that doesn't make them any less God's law. And it doesn't make us any less accountable to them. God does not give us permission to disobey His law just because that one is really hard. The third thing, as we consider Luke 17, God has given us the strength to obey. This to me is perhaps the most phenomenal lesson throughout this entire passage. The apostles heard this teaching on forgiveness. Forgive your brother seven times a day. If he comes to you seven times, having done the exact same thing, says, I'm sorry, please forgive me. On the seventh time, forgive him just like you did on the first time. Let it go. Let it pass. Forgive him. And that's hard. And the apostles thought it was hard, and they said... Jesus, if you want us to be able to do this, you're gonna to have to do something for us. Increase our faith. I have to tell you I just kind of an illustration. Last night, you know, I had to take this trip to Florida this week uh with uh with my granddad and my aunt and, and what should have been a nine hour to ten hour trip would take us about thirteen hours in the car. You know, come back, and then, did I get to rest when we came back? No. My cousin was at the house, my aunt was at the house, grandparents came over, brother was at the house, his two brothers. Kids everywhere. They finally left yesterday afternoon, Guess just I'm reading myself. Tired. I went to bed early. We got a call at about 10 o'clock, and Brad said, we forgot to leave you Victoria's car seat can you meet us in Franklin to pick it up? I won't tell you how long it took me to actually say, yeah, okay, I'll do that. And the repenting I had to do for some of the names I called him and things I said to him. I was hot. And for that 20-minute drive up to Highway 96 from our house, man, I was pissed. And I thought out all the things I was going to say to him because I was mad. And of course, as soon as I got here, first thing he said, I'm sorry. And, and I remember, I'm preaching this tomorrow. <laughs> i got to tell you, if I had gotten home and he called again, oh, we forgot something else, I think that would have been about it. Seven times in a day. And so the Apostle said, increase our faith. You know, it's those kind of moments when we think that, well, I can't do this. God, if you want me to serve you, you're going to have to do something. The apostle looked at Jesus. You increase our faith and we'll be able to accomplish this command. We can't do it on our own. Have we ever had that feeling? Have you ever had that feeling? Have you ever made that comment when you've committed a sin and said, well, look, that's just the way I am. Or have you ever committed a sin and you you, you thought to yourself, well, I just haven't grown that much yet. God's going to have to help me grow. What amazes me is when the disciples looked at Jesus and said, Lord, increase our faith. Jesus did not say, okay. Jesus did not perform a miracle granting them a gift of faith, 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 9, so that their faith could be increased. So that they could accomplish this. Jesus didn't give them some amazing teaching that suddenly just so overwhelmed them that, wow, I can't help but forgive my brethren now seven times in a day. He didn't do any of that. You know what he said to them? He said, Increase your faith. If you had faith the size of a mustard seed, you could tell this tree to get up and go jump in a lake and it would. You don't need your faith increased. You just need to use the faith you've already got. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 13, Paul said, No temptation has overtaken you, but such as is common to man. And God is faithful who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able, but what the temptation will provide the way of escape also so that you'll be able to endure it. God's already given us what we need. In every choice, as we're deciding whether or not we're going to follow God's path or follow our own path, God has provided the way of escape. When we sin, it's not because something so overwhelming attacks us that we couldn't help it. It's not because, oh, God has to do something special for me to get me to obey Him. It's because we chose not to take His way of escape. God has provided us with what we need to overcome the tempter. The question is, will we use what God has given or will we continue to demand special treatment? Remember God's words to Paul when he asked for the thorn in the flesh to be removed? My grace is sufficient for me." And how much grace and mercy and benevolence has God already given us? And instead of living based on that, we demand more. It's not enough. Your grace is not sufficient. You've got to give me more. Now, at the risk of weakening this point, which I believe Luke 17 teaches, I hope you don't think that that means you should never pray for God to strengthen you. You should. When Jesus gave the example prayer there in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 13, in Matthew 6 and verse 13, He said, Don't lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. In Matthew chapter 26 and verse 41, on the night that He was betrayed, if He was encouraging His disciples to pray, in Matthew 26 and verse 41, He said, Keep watching and praying that you may not enter into temptation. The Spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Certainly, we should pray for God's strength. We should pray that our faith grow and increase. We should pray that God be with us and help us and guide us and protect us. But the thing that we have to remember from this is that when we decide to sin, it wasn't God's fault. It wasn't because He pulled back and didn't give us what we need. It wasn't because He should have increased our faith and He didn't. It was because we didn't do what we were supposed to do. Because we didn't follow the faith that we had. Because if we had the faith the size of a mustard seed, we could move mountains. Fourth thing we recognize is that we need to have a servant's sense of duty. There in Luke chapter 17, as Jesus illustrated this point, He used the illustration of a servant, a slave. Why didn't this slave, this servant, rebel against what this master did? Let's face it, it's not very nice. It doesn't seem fair. Because he had a sense of deity. He had an obligation. In that culture, there was a responsibility there that he wasn't allowed to give up. And so he followed through on that responsibility. You know, if there's anything that's lacking in my generation and those younger, it is a sense of obligation and responsibility and duty. We look around at everything we expect everybody to do for us, our parents, our grandparents, the government, the church, and all these things that they ought to be doing for us instead of recognizing that we are the ones responsible. We are the ones that should have a sense of duty. Why are so many marriages today falling apart? Because husbands and wives today don't have a sense of duty and obligation to their marriage. Why are so many employers finding it difficult to find good workers? Because so few people today have a sense of duty and responsibility and obligation on the job. Why is it that so many churches are foundering? Because too few Christians have a sense of duty and commitment and obligation within the local church. We must have a sense of duty. Paul called himself the bondservant of Christ in Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 1 and verse 10. And Philippians chapter 1 and verse 1. On and on, Paul referred to himself as a bond servant. A bondservant, according to Strong's and Hack's lexicon, is a person who has so totally given themselves over to somebody else's will that they disregard their own. And that's what we are for Jesus. We're His servants. Our will should be so totally given to Him but our will is lost as we're striving to accomplish it. A sense of duty. A sense of obligation. Not a sense of rights. A sense of responsibility. When the apostles looked at Jesus and said, increase our faith, he said, you don't need your faith increased. You need to increase your faithfulness. That was Jesus' point. And finally, when we have done the difficult task, we shouldn't commend ourselves. You know, really, this concept of setting up this, oh, increase our faith. That's one of those places where we can set ourselves up so that when we've actually done it, I did the hard stuff. Look at how good I am. Did I tell you what I did this week? That's because I'm good. God's lucky to have me on his side. And then we become like the Pharisee. That just 30 verses later, in Luke chapter 18, that he talks about. In Luke chapter 18, in verse 9 and 10, two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee, the other a tax collector. In verse 11, the Pharisee stood and was praying this to himself God, I thank you. That I am not like other people, swindlers, unjust, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I take tithes of all that I get. Lord, just look at me and all the hard things that I've been doing for you. And we've said it before. He says, God, I thank you. But it, after you look to what he actually says, it, it actually is more like he's saying, God, you ought to thank me. And we take a look at the difficult things and when we accomplish them, sometimes we have the idea that maybe we should be commended as though somehow we're better than all these other folks who haven't come along spiritually as much as we have. The folks who aren't doing the difficult things, and we're better than they are. Somehow we're less forgiven. Now they need more forgiveness than us. We're better. But what Jesus said is He looked at that story of the servant. So you too, when you do all the things which are commanded, you say, we are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. I believe the New King James says, unprofitable servants. We haven't provided a profit. We've only done what we should have done all the way along. Reminds me when I was a kid, and I started with my dad about getting a out You know, Bobby took out the trash. Dad and his dad gives him $5 a week. My dad would say, look, when you take out the trash, you're just doing what you're supposed to do anyway. Uh, You know, the deal I always got is, look, son, you take out the trash, and I'll tell you what I'll do for you. I won't thank you. Okay. That's just your job. Just do it. That's what he says about us. Even when we've done the hard things, he said all you're doing is what you're supposed to do all the way along anyway. And therefore, don't commend yourselves. But here's the amazing thing about our Master. If we become servants and do the difficult things and perform the difficult tasks and all the hard laws that he's commanded, and we follow along in those. All the sins that we've committed and all the times that we even fail as we're working on this as we're striving to grow and be more and more like Him, He forgives. Unlike the Master in this story, He will commend us. And as Matthew 25 and verse 21 demonstrates, when we've been the servant who steps up to the plate, not that we'll be perfect, but when we've been the servant who steps up to the plate and uses what God has given us to glorify and to honor Him, then, as Matthew 25:21 says, we'll hear this. Well done, good and faithful servant. Our master will say thank you, and by his grace will wash away the imperfections and the impurities and the sins. But we need to be seeking God's commendation. Second Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 18 says, For it is not he who commends himself that is approved but he whom the Lord commends. Don't commend yourselves. We must not commend ourselves. We must follow through with God's commands and allow God to commend us because He will when we grow in His grace and His knowledge and His service. When we read Luke chapter 17 and verses 1 through 10, I think the initial tendency is probably to say, man, that is just harsh. Here they were crying out for help. Help us be your will. And Jesus just said, Yeah. Well, just do it. I don't know about you, but me, most of the time, what I want folks to do is stroke my ego and tell me, look, it's okay. You're really not that bad. You've done pretty well. You only have to tweak a few things. You're really a good guy. But then I come to Christ's Word and I look at myself and I realize how weak and flabby my service often is. And at that point, in Luke 17, despite what our society and even the religious world likes the picture Jesus is doing, He doesn't come up and coddle us in His arms and say, look, it's okay. I died so that you could be a weak Christian. He says, I'm not going to increase your faith. You increase your faith in it. I already died for you. It's your turn now to crucify yourself for me. I'll help you, but I'm not satisfied with weak Christians. That's what Jesus says to him when duty is difficult. How have you dealt with it when duty has been difficult? God has already given you what you need. He sent His Son to die. He gave His Word. He's given you us. And He provides the way of escape.
0: Are you taking it? I hope this lesson was beneficial to you as you face those tasks that are hard and difficult in serving and glorifying God. Let's remember what we learned from Luke chapter 17, verses 1 through 10. We learned, first, God does ask us to do difficult things. Second, He does not give us permission to disobey even the difficult commands. Third, He has already given us all we need to obey the difficult commands. Fourth, we need to have a sense of duty. And fifth, when we have accomplished the difficult commands... We must not commend ourselves, but rather allow God to commend us. I hope this lesson helped you. If you have any questions about serving God, about God's commands and laws for us as His New Testament children, or about the Franklin Church of Christ, please give us a call at 615-794-2359. Or you may contact us through our website at franklinchurchofchrist.com. Perhaps somebody has given you this lesson on CD or on tape. If so, May I encourage you to head to that website I just mentioned. Again, it's franklinchurchofchrist.com. At that website, we have numerous lessons, both in outline and audio format. You're free to download those and use them in any way you believe will glorify and honor God. May God richly bless you as you draw closer to Him. More importantly, may you richly bless God.